For everyone else, go ahead and open in your Bibles to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. That's in the New Testament. If you're unfamiliar, just go to the table of contents. It'll help you get there. Uh, Luke chapter 1. And uh, so we are going to begin a new series. So first off, happy Thanksgiving. Um, I hope you had an awesome one. Uh, we had to cancel ours. Uh, my kids were sick, and so Darren and I made the best of it. We made our own little, our own little thing, but, uh, but it was good. Nonetheless, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Uh, uh, but now we're moving into uh, Christmas time, and, uh, and so it's official that Thanksgiving's done, so Christmas music can be played. Um, and uh, so uh, we set up our house for Christmas stuff yesterday. And so you think, like, when you're getting out Christmas decorations, you're like, this is going to be a great time for our family. And uh, you, you put, we put on, you know, Spotify holiday Christmas pop mix, and we got this stuff. But then, like, you get out the tree and you, re- you remember, oh, those pre-lit lights don't work anymore, and I have to put lights on this tree. And, uh, and then we have kids getting all, all, the, all the ornaments out before and breaking some, and I'm trying to wrangle this tree, and it's not working. And at what point, I just ripped the lights off of it. And it was not that great of a time. Like, we thought, man, this is going to be awesome for us. And after a while, we're like, yeah, we just need to get out of the house. We just need to stop Christmas decorations for a while. We eventually got it, and now it looks beautiful. And Dara walks into our living room, and she's like, I love this so much. But the setup of it was not that great. Uh, but we are, why do I tell you that? I don't know. But it's Christmas time, so the time of cheer. And it's the most wonderful time of the year. And, uh, and so Luke is where we're going to be for the next four or so weeks. Uh, and what we're going to do for this Christmas series, this Advent series, is we're going to follow the story or the, the beginning part of, of Mary's story in which she is told of a miraculous birth that's going to happen leading up through the birth of her son, Jesus the Messiah. And so, uh, so we're going to follow her for the next couple of weeks leading up to our Christmas Eve service in which we talk about Jesus actually being born. And uh, in anticipation of Christmas time, and, uh, and the joy that that brings for us, especially uh, because we, are, we celebrate Christmas in order to celebrate the one who was born, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing beginning this week. And so look at the text with me. It's Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting could this be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And so, God, we come before you, and we uh, stop to uh, just, just, just to stand before you and acknowledge that um, we are people who, who, who need you to speak to us, to work in our hearts, to work in our lives. And so we submit to you and what you want to say to us this morning concerning how you feel about us and how you desire to work in our world. And so I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Have a, give us open hearts, open minds to hear what you want to say um, about being people who are favored by you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So as you read this text, um, there's, there's, we're, like I said, we're going to follow Mary's story. And so the, the, each, each sermon is going to be just a couple of couple verses as we're walking through this. Because there's a couple of things that I want to point out uh, as we go through Mary's story. And this morning, the, the thing that kind of pointed or stuck out to me that I, I really wanted to focus on for us this morning is her being called a favored woman. And so when the angel comes to her, he, what does he say? He says, verse 28 the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And immediately she's terrified. So a couple years ago, I was talking about the, the angel who shows up. And when angels show up, it's not a, it's not a super happy moment for a lot of people. Um, because angels are terrifying beings. They're not naked babies uh, who are, you know, floating. You know, it's, it's, it's like a, a warlike supernatural being shows up in your house. And, uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty scary moment. So in the past, I've referred to it like this. It's like, it's like the rock shows up with a tomahawk in his hand, six wings, and he's like, what's up? Like that's, that's what's happening here is he shows up in this moment. And for her, he says, greetings, favored woman. And she's like, what does he mean by that? And then he says, well, listen, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. Why? You have found favor with God. And so here's the question for us this morning, is what does it mean to be favored by God? What does it mean to be favored by God? Now, Mary's not the only person in Scripture who's been told this about her or about them. But she's not the only person who's, who's heard this from God. So there's a number of people in the Bible who've been told, you have God's favor. The first one was Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, and so remember the story about Noah uh, and the ark? The, the scenario of that is God's about to kill everyone on earth uh, by drowning them. And uh, he comes to Noah and he says, but I'm going to start over with you because you have my favor. You are a man of God's favor, and so therefore I'm going to save you and your family, and I'm going to start over with you and make you the new Adam. That's what he does with Noah. But then he comes again to another guy named Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain in Exodus chapter 33. He's getting the, the commandments from God, the law from God. He's going to write it all down. And in that verse 17 there in Exodus chapter 33, God tells him that you have my favor. He's a man favored by God. And in verse, or chapter 30, 32, just before that, Moses is praying for the favor of God on behalf of his nation. Another guy, Gideon, in Judges. Judges chapter 6, verse 17, Gideon is a dude who uh, has a battle raging outside, and he is hiding out in a barn uh, because he's terrified. And then God shows up to him, and he says, Greetings, favored one. You are a valiant warrior, which is the exact opposite of what Gideon was. And God shows up, and he says, You are a favored one. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise you up and lead you to be the leader of my people. And, and there's, there's a number of people, other kings, other people sought the favor of God. And, uh, and so what does favor actually mean? What does it mean to, to have the favor of God on you, on your life or whatever? And, and so if you look at the, the root of the word favor, it's connected to the word of, the word of grace. So favor and grace are the same thing. Favor and grace are the same thing. The one who holds the favor of God is a holder or a recipient of God's 
grace. That's the connection there. They mean the same thing. And so here's the question then. Well, then what is grace? What is grace? Because these people who are held in high esteem in the faith, Moses and Noah and Gideon and Mary, are all told, I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to do something through you. And it's because I'm looking at you with grace. And so the question is, what is, what is grace? What is grace? And so, and so here in Luke, when he says, greet, verse 28, greetings, favored woman. That's a passive participle, favored. It actually says it's a substantive. It says, greetings, favored one, uh, but it's in the feminine, so favored woman. And, uh, but it's passive. And so this is something that it's not something she could have earned. It's not something she did. It's not, nothing any of these people have ever done to earn. It is simply the God of the heavens looks down on her and says, you, I choose you. You are the favorite one. My grace is going to rest on you. I'm going to work through you in your life. There's nothing she did to earn this. It's passive. It's the same thing that happened with Noah. Noah didn't walk to God and say, hey, God, I think you're going to burn this place down, and uh, so why don't you save me because I've been really good this year? Like, no, that's not how it happens. God looked at him and chose him and said, you're going to be mine. I'm going to work through you. It's the same thing that happens here with Mary, is that it was granted by God to an inferior. That's what he does, is he chooses people, and he looks at them, and he says, I'm going to choose to look at you with grace. And I'm going to use you in your life through grace. And there's nothing that, that earned it. And, so if you, and, and the text is actually really helpful. Like throughout the Bible, when you see all these people who are bestowed with the grace of God for a purpose, um, the text is very clear to demonstrate their uh, negative qualities in their lives. And the purpose of that is to show us that God doesn't view people with grace who really deserve to be viewed with grace. For example, Noah, after they got off the ark, you know what he did? He got drunk and slept with a daughter. And, 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 and then you've got Gideon, who, who, is, who, who is a dude who God says, hey, you are a favored one. You're a valiant warrior. I'm going to lead you to be my people. You know what he was doing? He was terrified, hiding out in a barn, avoiding the battle. That's what he was doing. Like that, that's who he was. And God looked at him and said, I'm going to make you to be something that you're not. So Moses, what does Moses do when he climbs down the mountain? He sees that his people that he was leading were led into idolatry. And he takes the law that God gives him and he smashes it on the ground. And then later on, he gets fed up with them because they're still not following him. They're not following God. And so what does he do? He strikes a rock. And then when that moment happened, God says, okay, because you lashed out in anger like this, you're not entering my promised land. The text is very clear that the people who are bestowed with God's grace are not people who deserve it. It's unmerited. It's unmerited. So, so what really is grace then? So I've, I've told you guys this story before, uh, but whatever. Um, when I was 16 or so, uh, my dad... Uh, got a new IBM computer uh, from work. And, uh, and so he, he's, this is before you could just like download stuff super quick. And so he had spent, he got the computer that day from his work. Uh, and then he, he spent six or so hours that day 
transferring all of these files and everything to this new IBM computer. And uh, it was a really nice one. And uh, so he spent all day getting this thing set up, getting all this stuff transferred over to it. And he comes home, and he, uh, he sets his computer bag just down. We had a bar area thingy uh, uh, outside of our kitchen. And he set his computer down there, and he had stopped at Chicken Express and got a Diet Coke and just set it up on the bar. And, and he went into his room, and I don't know if he was changing or what. And uh, I, come, I come downstairs, and, man, I, I plow right into that Diet Coke, tumple the entire thing over. It was full. It was a full Diet Coke, 32 ounce. Tumble this entire thing over directly into the laptop bag. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Direct hit, bullseye. Coke directly in that bag, and I start flipping out. I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. I got to fix this situation. At that time, the computer was turned off. So if you know electronics, you know that potentially it's savable. If you just let it dry out and you don't fry it. Well, I am the genius, and so I got to fix this computer. Now I got to make sure that it's still working. So I take it out of the bag go plug it into the wall and turn it on to ensure that it's still working, thereby ensuring the whole thing is fried. My dad comes out of the room and he's like, what happened? I was like, I, I don't know. Why is it plugged into the wall? I don't know how that happened. Dad, I don't know how it happened. And so he's, he's of course, I'm thinking of it as, as a dad now. I'm like, I'm very frustrated. Like, I'm like, as a dad, I'm fresh with my kids for grabbing the ornaments yesterday and breaking them, like when they were there available. So, like, I understand him having his son fry his new computer and then go and ensure that it's totally destroyed. I can imagine, I right now can feel the feelings that he was probably feeling at that moment. But you know what, in that moment, my dad did not do? Staring at the computer and staring at his lying son who doesn't know what happened, my dad did not do this. Say, you're not my son anymore. My dad didn't start beating me with a cutting board. <laughs> like, he, he didn't, like, he, like, he didn't do, I don't know, it's, I just, you know, that would be a bad thing. And, uh, like, he, he didn't all of a sudden start lashing out or anything like that. You know what he did do that night? Ensure that I got dinner. He didn't kick me out of the house. He, he made sure that I was, I was safe in bed that night. And so what I learned from my dad in that moment is that even though I was the idiot kid, and I was the one who fried his stuff, I'm the one who messed up his plan, that I was still his son, and he still loved me. He was still going to care for me. He wasn't going to berate me. And then what he did the next day? So he packed that stuff back up, took it back to his boss at work and said, there's a Diet Coke dropped on this thing. I need to get a new one. And he set out to fix it. And so what he did. He set out to fix it. I didn't have to pay for it. They just, he somehow worked out. I don't know. They got him a new one. I don't know if he had to pay for it or not. But he fixed it. My problem. And that in and of itself right there is a picture of grace. That's a picture of grace. I was a son who did not deserve it. I was a son who messed things up. 
But my dad looked at me with love because he cared for me. He said, I'm going to ensure that you're still taken care of, and I'm going to seek to fix this situation that you've messed up. And that's grace. That's what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. It is a disposition of goodwill towards someone else to see that they are cared for. This is what Boaz in Ruth, the book of Ruth, this is what it talks about. Ruth sought the favor of Boaz. And what did he do? When she came to his land, she was a destitute woman, could be attacked, could be like in a, in a really bad situation. And what, is do, what happens? Boaz looks at her and says, okay, come under my wing. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to ensure that you're fed. I'm going to ensure that you're protected. I'm going to make sure there are guys around here that will make sure that you're going to be okay. And it says he looked at her with favor, with grace. He cared for her in a way that she needed. That's grace from God. And so here's the, here's the lesson that we learn from this. What does he say to Mary? The angel comes to Mary and says, Greetings, favored one. Greetings, favored woman. A woman God looks at with grace. Greetings, one of grace from God. And so here is a truth that we learn from this text, especially coming into this Christmas time when we're celebrating the coming of the Messiah, is that God looks at people with grace. God looks at people with grace. And there's a significant truth that oftentimes or it's common for us to think about but not really stop to consider because it's so commonplace to think about, oh, God, grace from God, grace from God. But the reality is that God is love. God is love. And he chooses to look at people through the eyes of a loving father. And he says, you mess things up. You have messed things up, but I am going to care for you anyway. I am going to care for you anyway. He wants to be known by you. He wants to be loved by you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants your good. And if you stop to consider that for a moment, like the God of all creation who began everything, looks down here in Fort Worth, in this moment, looks at you and says, I want you. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. So oftentimes when we meet someone, you consider someone of like stature or well-knownness. Like what what do you think of common? Like I want to be a friend with that person. So when I was in, uh, Darren and I took a church in New Orleans. Uh, We're going to, to Florida and we stopped in New Orleans. I've told you guys about this one as well, but uh, we were in line at Cafe Du Monde, and I turned around, and directly in line behind me was Chris Pratt. And uh, the, uh, Chris Pratt, if you're unfamiliar, from uh, Parks and Recreation or from the Guardians of the Galaxy, that guy, or uh, the uh, dinosaur, what's the dinosaur? Jurassic World, that guy. Um, that guy, he and his wife at the time, Anna Ferris, were in line, literally right behind us at this Cafe Du Monde in, in New Orleans. So I turn around, and I'm like, Dara, that's Chris Pratt right behind me. And I'm like trying, like, what do I do? How do I handle this moment? I don't know what to do. And, uh, and like, this is one of like, you think like, oh, no, I'm cool. I'm going to be cool. Like, if I ever meet someone cool, like, I'm going to be cool. I'm the cool guy, right? Like, no, no. You see Chris Pratt right behind you, and all of a sudden, my heart's like racing like this. Like, and I'm like, I see him, and I turn, and like, how do you begin a conversation with Chris Pratt? I don't know. So I turn around, and I'm like, think I can get a picture? <laughs> That's literally, that's how I began the conversation with him. 
And he was super cool. He's super friendly. And he's like, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's fine. And we took a picture together. And then they ended up talking to us for a minute, which I was really surprised by. But, um, but as we were leaving uh, New Orleans, uh, heading on to Florida the next day, Darren and I were talking. And I remember thinking, man, we should have exchanged phone numbers. Like, we could have been, like, we could have been, like, best friends. Like, and so, like, I remember thinking, how awesome would it be if Chris Pratt and I were, like, buds now? We're, like, texting, like, hey, man, what are you doing? Oh, we're just driving to Florida right now. What are y'all doing? Oh, yeah, I'm just working on the movie. Like, like, that would have been awesome, like, for me to be able to text Chris Pratt. Like, if I had his number, like, I'd call him right now and say, look, everyone, I know Chris Pratt. Like, like you think, man, this dude's awesome. People are, he's well-known. People want to hang out with him. Like, that's my reaction. And, like, I just driving off thinking, man, that'd be awesome to be his friend. How much more so the God of the universe who created everything, the most well-known being in all of history. People have celebrated throughout all of history, and he looks here today, literally today at you, and he says, I want to be with you. I want you to know me. I want you to pray to me. I want a relationship with you, and I want you to know me as a loving father. I want you to be my child. God looks at people with favor, with grace. That is something here. So, so the question then is this. Who can get it? Who can get this? Who can be someone that, the, that an angel could come to and say, greetings, favored one? And so as we saw earlier, um, there are a number of great heroes of the faith who've, who've had this title, the favored one of God. And like we said, it was Noah, it was Moses, it was Gideon. And so, and so each of these people were called by God to step out in faith, to follow him, and then in many cases to lead God's people. And so, so too here is Mary now brought into this group of people. And what's interesting is all the people leading up to this were men. But now, here is a woman who is given the exact same title. And not only is she a woman, she's a teenager. And God looks at her and gives her the exact same title that he gave to Moses. And he gave to Noah. And he gave to Gideon. And so you can see this is not based on some external demographic thing, but God is opening up. He's, he's demonstrating who is, who is favored by God, the one that God chooses to favor. It's the one that God chooses to favor. Man, woman, whatever. It doesn't matter to God. Like it is, it is the one that he chooses to give it. Why do they get it? Simply because he chooses to give it to them. And so the question then is what? It's how do we get it? How do we get it? Because I don't want it to be limited to them. I want it to be including me, right? Like I want to be in on this group. So the question is, is is this favor of God open to me? And so favor ultimately, like in this text and in the Bible, is not strictly about that person. Like in this text, the favored woman title, is this text is not about Mary. Like, the point of it is not Mary, but it's about the one who is about to be born through her. The child 
that was going to come to her, this favored woman of God, was grace embodied, who came to reconcile people to the Father, to make wrong things right. That's what he was coming to do, to make wrong things right, to proclaim what? The year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim the year of the grace of God coming to people. And so God is coming with grace and through her son is making it available to all people. Available to all people. And so in, in Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. Paul picks up this uh, line of thought of one who is favored by God, uh, receiving the grace of God simply because God chooses to give it. He picks up this line of thinking in Ephesians chapter 1, and in verse 1, he, he says this. Um, he, he's ri- who's he writing to? Faithful saints who are in Christ Jesus, people who have given their lives to follow Jesus. Um, and so he's writing to this church in Ephesus made up of Christians who've surrendered their life to follow Jesus. And and in verse 3, he says this, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For what? He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before Him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Catch that, what he just said? All who are in Jesus Christ, who have hold faith in him, who have surrendered their lives to follow him, God has adopted, brought into his family, and made a daughter and a son of him. Why? Look what he says. According to the good pleasure of his will. Why did he do it? Because he felt like it. That is an amazing verse. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, or to the praise of the glory of his grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. And so in Jesus, in Jesus, those who trust in him, who say, your death on the cross applies to me. I believe that it means something in my life. This is what he says. It says he chose us in him. Why? Because he felt like it. He predestined us to be adopted as children. Why? Because he felt like it. In Jesus Christ, God loves you simply because he loves you. Not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you could do, but it's, he does it simply because he does it. And if that's not something to rest in, I don't know what is. Why? Verse 6, so that we might praise the glory of His grace that He lavished on us. That word lavish is the same word uh, that was used to refer to Mary. 
the favor. So what it really says here, and it's, a, it's an awkward translation, but what it really says here is, is, uh, is the praise of the glory of his grace that he graced us with, or to the praise of the glory of his favor that he favored us with. That's what he's talking about here. This thing, this favor from God, this grace from God is now, through Jesus Christ, granted to everyone who believes in Jesus. That's the point here. That's the point. And so here's the question then, is how can we be favored by God just like Mary? It's faith in the beloved one that Paul talks about here in verse 6. Faith in the child who was born to Mary, God's favored woman, Jesus. Jesus. And so he is who we celebrate at Christmas time. And so this morning, I just wanted us to pause for a second as we're opening up our Advent series and, and looking at the, the beginning of Mary, the life of Mary as she's leading to the birth of her child. I just wanted to stop for a second as we're looking at a title that God gave her, and then through her child, the title that He wants to give to all people and is available to all people, in which God will look at you and say, greetings, favored child. And how do you get it? Belief in her son, Jesus. And so as the bank comes up, if you're here this morning uh, and you have never given your life to follow Jesus, this is the time to do it. Leading into Christmas time, it allows us to reorient our hearts, reorient our minds to what Christmas is really about. Because it's a time, really, in which we get to celebrate the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the one who came for us to remove our sin from us through, the through his death on the cross, and then to bring us grace from God in which God looks at you and says, I don't care what you've done, I don't care how you've messed up, through your belief in my son Jesus, I want to look at you with grace. I want to care for you. You will become my child, and we're going to begin a life together moving out from here. And that's what happens when you give your life to follow Jesus. And so if you're here and you haven't done that, this is not time to do it. And here's what you do. is You say, Jesus, I've heard that you came for me and that you're bringing grace from God for me, and I want that. And so I surrender my life to follow you. And through that, I gain you, and I gain the Father as my Father. And so tell them that. For everyone else, this is a moment to stop and just worship for a moment. And to consider, how does God truly think about you? And if you believe in His Son, Jesus, this is how He believes in you. This is how He thinks about you. His favored one.